Welcome back to the Plumline podcast. Over this summer, we've decided to slow down a bit and bring you something a bit more meditative, and we're calling it the Doctrines That Made Me. Each week, we'll ask a trusted friend, and in some cases, former guest, to tell us about a Christian teaching that has had a profound impact on their life and faith. We hope that instead of rolling your eyes at the word doctrine, you'll be inspired by what you hear, and that these teachings will become the doctrines that make you too. On today's episode, we have got a very special offering for you. We are going to be talking to Andrew. Andrew works as a civil servant and writes for Fathom Magazine, Foundling House and a niche Sheffield United fanzine called The Dem Blades. If you've never heard of any of those things, actually, they're all just quite niche. So I don't know why that one particularly has been pulled out as niche. He is Sheffield born and raised and can do a great range of accents, including a very hmm, accurate northern accent. And he might do it for us if we're lucky. And after 11 years away in Hull, Cambridge and London has returned. He is married to Kat S and has three secondary school age children. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, thanks for having me. So so am I a, a trusted friend? Well, that's reassuring. Trusted friend, but not listener. Uh, I've I, I listened to some of them. Yeah, when I've been on in the kitchen. You are a kind of um, plumb line trustee, though, <laughs> of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Am I? How, how, does, how has that come about? I wasn't aware of that. Just, right. just by well, virtue of my marital status to one of the Yeah, years. I mean, I just go and check your credit card statement. <laughs> yeah, no, I've noticed that. Every month it's me who has to pay it. Which I'm, I do willingly. I'm happy to. I'm happy to support. Just, just to, just to pick up on one thing in the introduction there, the the generic Andrew does a northern accent. I, d- I don't know whether that will alienate any of your listeners. The, the north is really quite a large area, and uh, you know, a- accently diverse. Yeah, but I just I think of you as being on a par with me in being able to do accents. So I consider you just a connoisseur of Northern accents, wherever you go, North, South, East or West of the North. Are you a connoisseur? Like most of them. And also, (laughs) I I also know Andrew can whistle because I've talked to him about being in my whistling band. So. Yeah, we um, (laughs) we need to pick that up again, don't we? We do, because I haven't found any other members, Andrew. Seriously, Mm. I listen out often for people that might have a talent in whistling. And you're genuinely the only other person I've extended an invite to to come to rehearsal. So, what an honour. Yeah. At the risk of um, breaking up this great whistling band accent loving, you're not here, frankly, to form a band with my (laughs) co-host or... Take us off on a, the accents that made me thread. So, without further ado, can I bring us back to the matter in hand? Yeah, of course. Which yeah. is the doctrine that made you. Yes. One, one of, anyway. Yes. And, Andrew, I'd love to ask you, what doctrine are you going to be talking to us about today? <laughs> yeah, to us about. I thought I maybe had my words in the wrong order there. No, well, that does happen, but I'm, I'm used to untangling them myself i'm going to talk today it sounds like that um tonight matthew i'm going to be i'm um 
Sorry, you pulled me off. Doctrine in their eyes. What doctrine? Doctrine in their eyes. I love it. Should have called it that instead. Come out dressed as John Piper or something like that. Oh dear. Anyway, I think you can actually get John Piper masks, you know. So. We could we could make this happen, Andrew. Really it, it doesn't it doesn't even make any sense, though, does it? How do you have a doctrine in your eyes? If you spray your hair white, you would look a bit like John Piper. Okay, well I'll do that then. Um, Andrew, what doctrine are you going to be talking to us about today? I'm going to talk to you about the doctrine of grace. Please do so. <laughs> See, that that got a whistle. A little taste my, for you from my <laughs> band member. <laughs> Please, no more whistling. Um, I won't whistle because it might. Um, it detracts from the seriousness of the topic. Well, it does, but it's nice to have a light-hearted intro, isn't it? We're all about the light-hearted intro. Yeah. The intro is over. <laughs> On to the meat of the podcast, <laughs> if you please. So I'm going to talk to you about how the doctrine of grace has shaped me. Is that the, uh, the way that you've been yeah. feeling it? And basically, I'm going to tell you how I became a Christian because... Um, grace was central to it in a very tangible way. Um, so here we go. I grew up in um, a village in the north of Sheffield. Um, it was a very nice village. Um, I grew up there with my family, um, going to a local uh, Wesleyan Reformed chapel, of all things. Um, but in practice, it was a we were part of a kind of church graft uh, or graft, some people would call it. Um, my, my parents were very involved in um, Sheffield uh, student Christian work and post-Christian, post, uh, I'm just going to say that again. They were very involved in, uh, in, in the Christian movement at Sheffield University and from that became part of this um, this graft and moved out to this village um, and so that's where I grew up um, as part of that and, and, the, and the chapel was very um, central to our lives uh, we, you know we went every Sunday but it but it was quite a, it was quite a big social thing as well so a lot a lot of you know my friends a lot of social activity was through being part of the chapel um, it was all very nice. It was all very sort of cosy, comfortable, um, probably quite a sheltered kind of childhood. And and the, as far as you know, Christianity and faith were concerned. Um, I think for a lot of that time, my understanding of them was that, you know, it was about being a, a good person. It was about trying to trying to sort of do good things. And I can, I can even remember going through a, probably a much briefer period than I remember it in my head where I suddenly thought, well, if I, if I started doing jobs around the home to help, that'd be a good thing. And I can remember like washing up two nights running or something like that and thinking that that was, <laughs> you know, that was a good work. And I mean, How that, old would you have been at this point? Um, 20, 21? <laughs> Uh, I would probably have been, I don't know, 10 or 11 or something like that. 
but and it, I mean that's obviously you know a small thing and a slightly silly thing in a way. But but even then, I had had the sense of that this is what a drag. <laughs> Not the being good, but the the sense that being a Christian was just about trying to be, you know, a good a good person doing good things. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that felt it as a weight at that point, but more as a there must be more to it than this almost. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how um life progressed as a as a child um then when i was then when i was 16 i can't remember the context can't remember how it came about but um my dad explained one evening he just explained to me what a christian believes in a i suppose kind of a i don't know two ways to live or something like that but you know he just said we a christian believes that that God created you and you sinned and you need saving from your sin and that's why Jesus came and died and it was a real it, it wasn't a personal kind of faith moment it was more like a, oh I don't I don't think I'd understood that it was a bit like um you know I've, I've studied history quite a lot and sometimes you have moments of studying history where you've heard bits about a given you know period of history and then you actually study it and read about it and it all sort of comes together um it, it was more like like that really but then i think at the same time even even then without really understanding christianity i remember thinking why have i not heard this before you know even though i go to this chapel and i'm part of this uh, this sort of Christian group and you know what felt like quite a sort of family environment why, why have I not heard this before um, and I mean I don't know what the answer was what you know I'm probably not going to go into that here um, so that was that was the first um, kind of you know major point that I can remember in 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 my story I then went away to university, um, found that really difficult to leave home. Again, because I think because it had been so sheltered, you suddenly kind of thrown out there. Um, just, yeah, found, found it very difficult to leave home. Um, but, but I also realised quite quickly that if I wanted church to carry on being a part of my life, then I had to sort that out myself. Um, and so I, st I started going to a, a, a little church near the halls of residence where I lived. And I went there throughout kind of my first term at university. And I can, I can remember going along and sitting there and listening to the sermons and thinking there's something, there's something being said here that I don't understand and it, not, that sounds a bit silly but not not in a kind of um I just don't understand what you're saying but more a sense of everyone there's a sort of assumption almost about what is being said here that the people listening will understand 
And I was sitting there thinking, but I don't, I'm, I'm missing something and I just don't know what it is. Um, and that was quite difficult, you know, to, to confront the fact that going along to this church, thinking that that would be like it had been always growing up, realizing that actually I felt like a complete outsider. Yeah, that was quite a, quite a difficult thing to sort of have to face. So do you think you've gone along to this church trying to kind of recreate some of that home security? Yes. Away from home? Yeah. And you thought, so there's the realisation that if, you, if church is going to be a part of your life, you have to seek that out for yourself, but also that you were, you were wanting to have that same safe feeling that you'd had at home growing up. Yeah. You were sort of trying to recreate that, but then you found that you couldn't. Yeah, definitely. And I think I can remember realising that, well, of course that's not going to work, is it? Because the chapel I grew up in was so, you know, it, it, it was there. It was my, it was there my whole life. But, and, and all these, you know, all the people I knew there, the familiarity, you know, how, how can you recreate that? <laughs> yeah, people who've known you since you were born, yeah. before you were born. And just being in a place you've known all your life. You know, the, 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 these are the things that you can't, you can't recreate. Yeah. Um, what, was, what was happening in parallel uh, with me going to that church near my halls of residence was I'd, I'd started to go along to, um, it was kind of a CU at the university. It was, it was called um, the Fellowship of Evangelical Students not fundamentalist evangelical students, as, uh, as one of my friends used to say. But I'd, I'd started going along to that um, through a couple of friends in the halls of residence who already were Christians. And I, and I think looking back, that they could see that I was a bit lost, but they could also see that it was because of some sort of wrestle uh, with, you know, with, with what was my faith? What did that actually mean? So, I, so I'd been going along to that as well. Um, during the first term um, and at Christmas of that first term the that that fellowship put on a um, an evangelistic event um, and the guy who spoke at that event was a guy called Philip Jensen who at the time I'd never heard of and I've since found out that he's you know quite a quite a sort of a big name as it were in, in Christian circles but he was just this Australian guy um, and he and he did a talk, which I can't remember loads of the detail of, but I remember that he talked about how life without God is is meaningless, and that and that really struck me as being something that I you know actually was was that what I was looking for, and yeah, so that so that was quite striking. And then we went to the pub afterwards for a drink and a guy from a local church, you know, was asking a few questions, did I enjoy it? And he, he said, we should get together and do some Bible studies. So I, yeah, great, we can do that. And we arranged to do that um, after the Christmas holidays. I went, I went back to my room in my halls of residence that night and I got into bed and I was starting to go to sleep and I suddenly had this incredibly real sense 
that there was someone in the room with me to the extent where I kind of shot round in bed to, to see who it was in the room. Um, but there wasn't anyone there, I'm pleased to report. And I, But I, I, at the same time, I remember thinking to myself, that was really freaky. Why am I not scared? But I wasn't at all. Um, and we've since had conversations with Christian friends who've shared their testimonies. And I remember one friend in particular ha describing a very similar experience. And in her mind, it was that was Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, whatever you want to call it, in the room with her. And I've looked back on that and thought, that, that makes sense. And actually, that's amazing. The idea that I went to a talk where there was a guy talking about life being meaningless without God. And then that night, you know, it, it was almost like God, you know, came to me. And it was like, so, so life isn't meaningless. Um, so that, yeah, that was, I mean, and that, that was quite, you know, it, it, I guess you would, you'd call it quite a spiritual thing, wouldn't you? That that happened. That sort of thing doesn't happen all the time. Mm, certainly supernatural. Yeah. Um, but of course, that didn't explain the gospel to me. That, that just gave me a sense of that something, just the significance of what I'd heard of this talk and, mm. and like a validation almost of this, this, this wrestle that I had going on to understand my faith. Um, so when I got back to university after Christmas, I started meeting with this guy. We did, um, we were doing Just for Starters, which is a series of Bible studies that just introduces people to Christianity. Um, and the second, the second study is about being saved by grace. And it, it is focused on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which say, it is by grace you have been saved. And this through faith, and which is not from you, it's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I can remember reading that verse when I was sat in my room in the halls of residence and just being overcome by um, just relief. And I can remember just just really laughing. <laughs> I la a lot of people cry, don't they? But I just laughed. <laughs> I was like, it says it at last. It says it's not, I'm not saved by works. That's what I've been wrestling with all this time. And, and it, 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 couldn't, it couldn't be clearer. And it was a real kind of, you know, scales from the eyes sort of moment. Mm. And, and, a, and a real, just like perspective changing experience. And I guess once you've once you've had grace revealed to you in that way, you know by its nature grace is something that is done entirely for you. You know you you can't contribute to it, and so it it just means that actually ev everything is on God's terms, and that's that's powerful. That's amazing. And inevitably changes the way that you look at things and you know the way that people are trying to sort of control their lives in the way that I was trying to control my life 
you know, it, it just kind of blows all that apart. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I count it a kind of blessing, I, I guess, that I had that very specific moment when it suddenly became clear after, you know, I don't know, four years of, of sort of wrestling with it. Um, that's how grace impacted me. Mm. And so what you learned then and that realisation, how is that, how do you think that's impacted your, your walk with God since? I think, um, I think it's... In a few words. <laughs> Sorry, we're running out of time. I think, it, I think it's given me something to come back to because mm. it, it wasn't a gradual thing. It was a very quick thing, a very sort of almost instantaneous. So it's given me something to come back to, which is great. The few months after that experience actually were really difficult. And going back home for mm. the summer, you know, in contrast to everything I described at the beginning about home being this nice, secure, comfortable place, I went back and I really felt I'm a different person. And not that I didn't fit in, but just everything that I'd sort of valued and held on to just had been blown apart, blown away. It, it, it was just completely different. And I, I found that was a really, really difficult summer of just mm. feeling like, you know, just the whole, I don't know who I am and who, how do I fit in and all that kind of thing. But also realizing that this thing that I'd held on to all my life in some ways had been taken away from me. It'd been replaced yeah. with something better, <laughs> but you, there was still that pain of confronting, you know, the lot. I think those kind of experiences are like, they're almost like, um, you know, like timestamps, aren't they? Those, yeah. those kind of things. And they're, they're real like anchor points. So I, I think I've got a couple of moments like that, like years apart, but only a couple. But when, you know, in like really hard times or in times of real doubt, there you have to go back to your anchor point or your timestamp or your pivot point and go, I know that that was true. And I know that that really happened. and know that experience was a real experience. And... I don't know, I just wonder whether, you know, for those of us who are particularly like prone to wonder and mm. prone to doubt, whether there's just such a grace also in being able to have had those experiences so that there is always that that pulls you back. Like every single time you just have to come back to who do I think Jesus was yeah. um, and what do I make of that experience that happened to me at that point? And then you kind of like reset, don't you? You go from there and then you go, right, okay, what well, well, now I'm I'm still in my really hard situation or I'm still in my really prolonged period of doubt, but how does that help me? Yeah. And it just strikes me as such a grace in those in in having those and being given that gift of of grace manifesting in that way. Yeah, definitely. And and it also I mean it, it sometimes makes me think as well about you know, when people demanded signs from Jesus mm. and he said, you, you don't need any more signs. It, it, in some ways, it's almost like a micro example of that. You know, it, I, I've not needed Jesus to keep appearing <laughs> in, in my bedroom. 
you know, I, I just go back to that and, and all that that symbolized, which I think is what you're saying. Anchor point is a good way. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, it reminds me as well of the, so many of the Psalms where David will finish the Psalms and his, <clears throat> his cryings out to God by by refocusing himself on the fact that he knows God has been good to him in the past mm. and yeah, whatever affliction what he's, yeah. he's facing at the moment I will praise you for I know you have been good to me and so, sometimes we're in present times mm. of difficulty all, all we can cling on to is that we we know it's real and we know it's true because we we have the evidence of of God coming through for us in the past and God being there for us in the past and the fruit of of um of being his child we we have that to look back on so we can't let you go andrew without doing our slightly different from usual plum crumble for this series where we're going to ask you what's something that you're looking forward to doing or going or reading wearing this summer i i am looking forward to going to northern ireland on holiday for a week very good Go and do the accent. Do the very, accent. It's very good. Oh, that's such a great northern accent. I know. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to I'm going to read Seamus Heaney poems aloud to my family for the whole week, <laughs> and they'll love it. You're going to do that while standing at the uh, Giants Causeway. Yeah, or I might yeah. stand by that C.S. Lewis statue as well. Oh, it's the best place, C.S. Lewis Square. Yeah, just I met, like... I met the man who made that statue. <laughs> of course, you did yeah. at one of your weird conferences. <laughs> if you're talking about Hutchmoot run by the Rabbit Room, then I yes. am. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Oh, great! Brilliant. Thank, well, thanks, thanks Andrew. Loved it. You're my favourite two cats, as you well know. <laughs> we won't ask you to tell us which one's the actual number one because we know it'd be too hard to make the choice. <laughs> I think we all know who wears that particular crown. Yep, it's most, mostly Katrina. Thank you, good night. <laughs> right. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.